0: You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Good afternoon, everyone. So glad that you're back here again. And those of you watching uh, virtually, uh, so glad you're joining us here today. I'm going to invite you to turn or open your Bibles. Uh, We're going to look to 1 Kings uh, 18 uh, this afternoon. Looking forward um, as we continue uh, in our series, If I Only Knew Then What I Know uh, Now. And the takeaway that I'm hoping will permeate in your mind this afternoon with our brief time together is this. In the midst of faith and obedience, our faith and risk exclusive of one another. Our faith and risk exclusive of one another. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have together in your word. And as we look to your written word this afternoon, Lord, we ask by the power of your spirit, it would speak to us, it would move us, and even better, transform us to be more like you living and active servants of your will on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today we're going to look into the powerful story of this faith and obedience in the midst of personal risk as found in 1 Corinthians 18. And so in this passage, we're going to witness a really powerful uh, interaction with uh, Elijah and King Ahab, who is known as one of the wickedest and worst kings Israel had ever seen. But there's a person in this story, in this account, that maybe sometimes takes a back seat, but his action that he takes is so important, and that's the governor official, Obadiah. Obadiah is not to be confused with the prophet Obadiah who was a contemporary of Elijah around the same time but we're going to look and see how this man this man who was you know like you and I even afraid at times stepped out in faith and obedience and because of that he was blessed because of it. Now in this moment we see in this story where we set this scene, um, three years have passed. Elijah had prophesied to the king that there's going to be a severe drought in the land because of your disobedience. Because you have turned and you've worshipped idols. And we have this written account that shows us this unwavering faith, this obedience to the call of God for Elijah and for this servant, Obadiah, trusting in God's providence nonetheless. Now, when we go to this passage this afternoon, these themes of unrelenting faith, of obedience, of trusting in God's providence, it may seem like repetitive themes. That's because they are. But last time you turn through scripture and you read through your devotionals, I think you would agree and say that's a very constant theme in all of scripture. Unwavering faith, unwavering trust. Trust in the Lord, and He will exalt you. Trust in Him when you're weary, right, and heavy laden, that you will mount up like wings like eagles. You'll be able to rise above the storm because you're trusting in the Lord. These constant themes, they inform our soul, they encourage us in our Christian walk, and it's amazing, without sound like a broken record perhaps, it's incredible when you turn to the Word of God and how truly relative it is to your daily walk with Christ. Even me personally this weekend, on, on a personal level, and then as a leader, leader, uh, pastor of this uh, young assembly, it is so timely and practical. And so I want to encourage you with a thought as we get into this passage, as children of God, of which we all are, as we place our faith in Christ, he is day by day renewing us and transforming us into his image, to be unrelenting in faith, obedient to his call and providence, even when it may be a little risky and inconvenient so let's go to 1 Kings 18.1. It says this, After a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the service of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. And Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord. And took a hundred prophets and hid them, fifty men to a cave, and provided them with food and water, when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go throughout the land to every spring and to every wadi, which I'd stop there from a wadi, is just basically a riverbed. And perhaps we'll find grass so we can keep the horses and the, the mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. And so they divided the land between them in order to cover it. And Ahab went one by himself, and Obadiah went the other way by himself. While Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. And when Obadiah recognized him, he fell face down and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go tell your lord, Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent someone to search for you. And when they said, he is not here, he made that kingdom or nation swear they had not found you. Now you say, go tell your Lord Elijah is here? Think about it. He's been sending out search search parties. They've left no stone unturned. Now you say, go tell your Lord, Elijah is here. But when I leave you, the spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some place I don't know. Then when I go report to Ahab and he doesn't find you, he'll kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Wasn't it reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, 50 men to a cave, and I provided them with food and water. Now you say, Go tell your Lord Elijah's here? He will kill me. Then Elijah said, As the Lord of armies lives, in whose presence I stand, today I will present myself to Ahab. And so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, the one ruining Israel? And Elijah replied, I have not ruined Israel, but you and your father's family have, because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. You know, this this scene is... Very practical. You could take this and apply this in so many different ways. And here we see in the rate of this interaction, the reason why there's no rain. Elijah has explained, no, I'm not the one ruining Israel. Don't you know this is by your own hand. This is by your own unfaithfulness. This is by your own rebellion. This has come upon you and the people. And in fact, this rain is a fulfillment of King Solomon's oath before God. Back in First uh, Kings chapter 8, King Solomon made this prayerful declaration when the temple was finally constructed on behalf of God and the people. He declared that this would be a blessing, a blessing to God and a blessing to the people, especially when they follow the commands and decrees of the Lord. But then the king would also go on to say and speak of a corrective discipline in various forms, such as even political strife, droughts, and you guessed it, Famine. And so in order to recapture the people's attention and turn their hearts to God in repentance, Solomon prayed in declaration that these things would happen if it was necessary, if people had lost their way. And so in 1 Kings 8.34 that helps give context to this interaction, we see this. May you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel. This is Solomon. May you restore them to the land you gave their ancestors when the skies are shut and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray towards this place and praise your name and they turn from their sins because you are afflicting them, may you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel so that you may teach them to walk on the good way. May you send rain on your land that you gave your people for an inheritance." Here in many respects, King Solomon, the wisest man who walked the face of the earth next to Christ, is laying it out. This covenant relationship, if people would walk in the commands and decrees of the Lord, they would be blessed, there would be, there would be prosperity, there would be rain in abundance. But if they walked and turned to other gods, there would be a corrective discipline that would come. In fact, we see King Ahab, as Elijah again emphasizes, this is your doing. King Ahab was the wickedest king that, ever, that Israel had ever seen. Why is this so important? When you look at this, you know, what's the big deal? You know, when David became king, the people demanded, they wanted a kingship. God never intended for there to be a, a man who would rule the people, but the way it works is God put establishment in place, the, the kingship of David, that he would be this representative, this uh, litmus test, if you will, of a covenant relationship with God. He would be this moral representative, if you will. But on the flip side, we see instead of being this shining beacon of this covenant, what did he become? He became a beacon of unfaithfulness, of debauchery and the like. And so here in First Kings 17, leading up to this interaction, it says, Elijah the Tithbite came to Ahab and said, As the Lord of God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew nor rain during these years except by my command. And so here we come full circle three years later. That's why it says in the third year now is the time God is going to get everyone's attention. He's going to turn unfaithful hearts. He's going to turn those who have turned away to say that there truly is one and one God only and it's Lord God, Yahweh. You know, one thing I just couldn't help but note here And this passage of scripture, a little takeaway for fathers here this afternoon. And, you know, mothers, you can apply this also. But it's so important, the legacy that we leave for our families and for our children. Because Ahab had an opportunity not only to lead the people of the Lord in the ways of God, but his own family, his own household. But because of his example, it goes on to show that his children and his children's children would do wickedness in the eyes of God. They would engage in more adulterous ways, even to the point where that adultery would seep its way into the southern kingdom of Judah. So this has a a trickle-down effect, and I just, you know, for my own self and my own family, you know, reiterating or reinforcing the point that what I do matters, The faith that I live matters. How I model for my children and how we live matters, especially to lead even when it's inconvenient to be a follower of the Lord. And so here, Obadiah, kind of humorously and also making and emphasizing a point, he's saying, it's not so easy for me to go to the king and say, hey, Elijah's here, you've been looking everywhere, you haven't been able to find him, but oh, now he's showed up in Samaria, and come and talk to him, okay? Obadiah knew Uh, Ahab was very upset with Elijah and basically wanted to kill him. And yet, in the midst of this exchange, in the midst of this drought, in the midst of this great pressure, in the midst of it all, there was this loyal servant who was strategically placed for such a time as this. And so here we see Obadiah. We've set the scene. We have the wicked king, and then we have Obadiah. It says in verse 3 and 12 that he was a reverent servant of the Lord. And we know this because it shows that he hid 50 men to a cave so they wouldn't be put under the sword of the queen. Can you just imagine that for a moment, a decree of what that would have looked like and even bring in today's you know, political landscape? What would you do if there was a decree coming down from the household of, of the prime minister and saying everyone who follows Yahweh needs, is going to be killed? Well, they're being persecuted, what would you do? Would you say, this is really inconvenient, and so I'm going to hide away. I'm going to go and take a long time and be away from the house of the Lord. Or would you leap and step into action like Obadiah? His actions showed his loyalty. Even in the midst of his, his fear of a man, his trust was in someone greater than that man. But he still had his doubts. He was flesh and blood like us but what I found really impactful was it was even much more than that because it says, I am a servant of the Lord. And this time, like all of us say, who call ourselves followers of Christ, we read the word of God. We desire to live according to the words of Christ. Well, for the people of Israel, the word and the commands of God as written in the Torah, it was important to them to follow the way and the law of God, which said in Deuteronomy fifteen seven: if there's a poor person among you, one of your brothers within, within any of your city gates in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hardened to them or be tight-fisted towards your poor brother." meaning when they're hard-pressed, do what you can for them. Here, Obadiah, the governor over all the palace, he had the means and the resources to do something. That's why he said he not only hid them, but he provided food and water because he had it in abundance. And Solomon himself wrote in Proverbs fourteen thirty one: the one who oppresses the poor person insults his maker, but the one who is kind to the needy honors him. So here, Obadiah, when he says, I'm a servant of the Lord, I'm going to honor you above King Ahab, in whom he still serves, and he needs to show respect. He was delicately working the landscape, if you will. And so in this account, we can see, I believe we can, each of us can relate this in our own life of how Obadiah is showing for us, revealing for us, highlighting for us this faith in obedience and action. I wrote here as a takeaway for us today. Obadiah didn't wait until a new king was on the throne. He didn't wait for a new king to replace Ahab. Maybe someone was a little kinder. Maybe it was a little bit easier. He certainly didn't wait until there was a new capital. Because in this point where it was, Ahab had moved the capital to this region. But in the midst of this apostasy, in the midst of this rebellion, in the midst actually of this betrayal, Obadiah sprung into action. I have to admit, when I read this, and I saw how he did this when it was incredibly inconvenient, and at a risk to his own personal life, he still did it. What would you do? Would you find houses would you find similar to brothers of faith in the, in the olden days of the underground railroad with slaves and such? What would you do? What would you do? Here we see Elijah's, you know, acknowledging Ahab's frustration, even his concern. But he says to him, he, he gives him with an oath. I'm telling you, Go and tell your Lord, Elijah is here in the presence of the Lord's armies. So he's he's given this oath, his assuredness that I am going to go. So my takeaway here this afternoon is this, serve where you are. Serve wherever you are in whatever season, because faith is to be lived out loud here and now even when it's risky, even when it's inconvenient. You know, I've said it at the beginning, and I'll reiterate, our faith and expression of it will not always be convenient, especially in the time in which we live, in which waywardness and even idol worship is so prevalent like in the ancient days. We truly are being tested at every corner. And so that's why I believe when we think of all this and seeing the inf- uh, influence that we have where God has called us to serve, we can do as the Apostle Paul says, which rings true for us today, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God of salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. You know, when you read through the scripture, you hear those words, it amps you up. Brothers and sisters, doesn't it just amp you up and you want to get in there and then naturally your flesh and your blood, you start maybe to quiver a little bit when you see the challenge before you. And when I was reading through this passage and, you know, girding my own loins, as we're told in scripture, to prepare yourself for the call of God on your life, I couldn't help but think of Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-five, which says, The fear of mankind is a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. If you're doing things according to the approval of people, if Obadiah was only doing things according to what you know King Ahab said that none of these things would have happened, there would have been people who would have lost their lives. When fear of mankind is your focus, there will be a snare. But when you trust in the Lord, you will be protected, you will be exalted. So let me ask you a few questions as... I begin to close. What do we do when we're in such a position? Now, think about it for a moment. Think about your sphere of influence. Your, maybe it's your profession, your work, the very things that God has blessed you with. That influence you have, how could God work in and through that to his glory? Obadiah well, was a governor official. You don't, but you don't have to be in that place of trust in order to make an impact to make a difference. And I wrote these words I believe would be impactful for each of us as it has been for myself. If we could just come to a place and say, God, I know that I'm called and I'm blessed to proclaim your good news where I'm placed. Use me. Use me. You know so many times you go, even last night I was at a wedding with family and there was a very timely conversation um, that happened. You know, if I didn't make myself available, if, if our family, which I was tired, you know. Um, I, I did, uh, you know, to be honest, I wanted to leave a little bit earlier than other people. I knew we had church in the afternoon. But had I left at the time in which I wanted to leave, you know, I wouldn't have had this wonderful conversation with a family member about the Lord and, and faith. And it's, it was so relative to today's message speaking encouraging on the matter that faith is sometimes is really truly not convenient but God uses our influence nonetheless he uses our means to support and minister to one another and so don't forget the powerful uh, impact that you can make you can speak life into a situation so the two points to walk away with here You have been uniquely uh, situated with influence to speak life into people's lives, to encourage them with hope and also in a very practical sense. Obadiah not only said to these men of God, they come over here, we'll hide you. But he also met the need. What are you going to do when we're in these caves? We're going to die. We're going to be thirsty and hungry. Don't worry, I got food. I have water. You're going to be fine, but you got to stay in the caves for now. He spoke life. We can speak life. He took practical action. We can take practical action. Thank you Jesus. First Peter 3:14 to 15. I'm sure many of you uh, have read this in your devotional time. Maybe even have this on your fridges or such, but Peter said this: "But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated." But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Second Corinthians 1.14, just as you have partially understood us that we are your reason for pride, just as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus And as one of you says to them, go in peace and stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? These verses show us how we are uniquely suited. We don't, when we make sure we're not operating in a sphere of of fear and intimidation, we can make a great impact. Opportunities to serve are all around us. You know, I'm gonna, I wasn't sure if I was gonna go here, but I'm gonna go here today. Um, you know, as, as a minister of the assembly, one of these things that I'm learning in our, our young age is never before in my life, and I can understand circumstances and such, but I've never seen so many desiring how they're going to serve and walk with the Lord based on convenience and when it's convenient. And I, I just want to level with you without putting the harp on anybody. For myself personally, when you lead something like a church plant, it's not convenient. Whenever you start something new, it's definitely not convenient. You know, my my family and I, this past Monday, I was driving down to Hamilton. I was going for a a checkup on my health and I got a good report. I'm in remission and and everything is good. And so, you know, it's going to take about 12 to 15 months before my next checkup. So praise the Lord. And, you know, I was riding high. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to, you know, seize the day and show me where I can be of, of use. And on the way home as I'm driving, bam, I think I woke you up. <laughs> a rock hit my windshield and just made this massive, just nothing I'd ever seen in a windshield before. And it startled me like I just startled you. I thought it was going to take me out. <laughs> and so I come back to Simcoe and I talk to the garage that's Speedy there. They were fantastic. And they said, I, I'm sorry that happened. We're going to have to replace your whole windshield. I'm like, well, that's not convenient. My wife's car is actually just across the road at the other garage getting looked at. But, you know, maybe things will work out just fine. Well, do you think it was convenient for the rest of the day? No. The auto shop shop calls and says, Hey, Andrew, I'm sorry to tell you, but your um, wife's um, all-wheel drive seized up. So your car needs to be repaired. And we come to find out after all these repairs and costs and stuff, that car is basically done. And so we're like, man, this is really inconvenient right now. But we were choosing to trust and believe that, you know, God would provide and make his way. And one thing that it's helping with us in this season is leaning into the Lord and not only trusting in his providence, but doing everything that we can do to not allow this to intimidate us or steer us off course or to become bitter in what's happening. Because around the same time, speaking of this, how things can be inconvenient, um, we've, you know, we've had uh, folks share that you know, um, it can be difficult to come here in the afternoon for different reasons. And, and so we want to be able to bless people when they, they feel the Lord is calling them elsewhere. Um, but it's also another thing when you go because it's just a matter of it's inconvenient. And I got to tell you, and you know, you could check me, check me if I'm wrong, even leadership or people here sitting in the pews, but our faith is not supposed to be convenient. We need to serve and be where God has called us to be. And so what I wrote here to say to you here, now that I've had the boldness to say it, if God would have you here, if he would have you serve and plug in, serve for the long haul. Serve and trust in God. He's gonna use you and He's gonna bring the growth. It may not look like much right now, but I gotta tell you, it's pretty awesome. The blessing we have with the team of people, the those who put time in, you know, week after week, we have you know, Jim and Barbara are helping Mop and sweep floors to make sure it's better than when we found it. And we have Brad and John and and Ian and Sue and 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 others. I'm I'm sorry I'm forgetting other people, but different people are, are, are playing their part. And sometimes in the afternoon, when it can be a hot and nice summer day. It, it can just get maybe a little bit uh, much. Or maybe because you see a lack of people, it can be kind of tough. Or maybe because of the, just the slug, can be a little intimidating. But it's going to be uh, rewardful. It's going to be a blessing to your life. Because I'll tell you right now, it's not easy for me. I'm wearing a lot of hats right now. But I love what I do as, as leading this group. You are a wonderful group of people. And so I am anticipating, maybe I get a phone call or an email this week of, I didn't want anyone to feel like I'm putting you on the spot, but I feel like it's a good time and place in relation to this scripture here. Our time and season, not just personally, but corporately as a body, it's not going to be convenient. But you know what? We've put ads out in our community. We have now have an ad out at the arena, on the billboards, right on the boards when people are skating and playing hockey. We have one in the lobby. We have our sign out here. You're all talking. You're on social media, sharing your faith, sharing your experiences. God is going to use you, and we are going to grow. But there's going to be times like Obadiah, it's going to be inconvenient. And at that time, you've got to ask yourself, when it's inconvenient, what are you going to do? Are you going to lean into the Lord and trust in his providence? Or are you going to say, you know what? It's just too much for me and go the other way. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that that speaks to you um, and, and ministers to you because I'm right there with you. I am right there but this passage here is so instructive and speaks to my own heart. that there's times that I could walk in fear when we have good loving people saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I think maybe we're going to go elsewhere. That can grieve me and I could become fearful. And I got to admit in the flesh, I I asked God, what's going on? Like, what are we doing wrong? How, how can, what, what have? what he said? Have we, have we hurt people? But at the end of the day, all we can do is work together, pray, and trust God for the results. Amen? So I'm going to invite Brad to come unless he's already going to make his way. Um, as we come into a time of, of worship and response, God sees you. And as he sees you in the value that you represent, would you be encouraged this afternoon to see the value in yourself? Would you see the value in the sphere of influence that you have and where he has situated you, where he has placed you? Because he's going to use you. He's going to use you. And so I want to encourage you as uh, Brad and such uh, begin to lead us. Begin to ask the Lord those questions. Lord, how can I serve you not only in this assembly, but in your community? What are you calling me to? You know, give me eyes to see what you're doing and how I can be of help to you and to your work. You know, I appreciate these these guys. You know, my, my brother and, and Brad, I appreciate it when maybe I'm even struggling a little bit and maybe a little tired. I can call up either one, and they're extremely encouraging. And they're seasoned professionals, if, and I hope it's okay to say this. And one thing, God uses people with different skill sets because of the kind of work that these two uh, gentlemen have. They've learned how to be diplomatic. They've learned how to talk with all sorts of people. And they've had to temper their attitudes and even maybe frustrations with maybe difficult uh, patients. And it, and it ministers and it speaks to me when, when they share their, their wisdom, even as a, a fellowship. And so. Um, I just want to take that opportunity to to thank you guys for that leadership and encouragement to me, especially with you being my brother, of course, Um, but Brad also, thank you. Very stoic. You know, the church needs pillars, and so in this area of, of, of influence and value, my last point here for us is this. Each one of you are a pillar of this young assembly. Each one of you. And those of you who are unable to be with us today, I think of Don and Tony and others because of different circumstances, you're a pillar also. See value in yourself and what God is calling you to and this assembly because Jesus is our hope for today for every circumstance. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, even as I've shared and leveled On a very personal, known, personal nature. Father, it's not my endeavor to come here in a place of of judgment against anyone, to condemn anyone. But rather, Lord, to speak from a place of the truth of your word and to encourage, exhort, correct, and encourage. So, Lord, as you've even corrected me and spoke to me by the power of your spirit, I thank you for your living, breathing word that has spoken to each one of us as you saw fit today. Father, I thank you for the faithful hearts of this assembly, those here present, and even those who are unable to be with us today. I thank you that you are binding us together. You are pruning also. Because Lord, I believe the the word that you gave to me last week in, in prayer and such, and confirmed by our leadership, that if we're to be a hospital for the sick, We need those who are ready and able to care for the sick and to lead them into life transformation. And so you're gonna prune and and see growth happen in our own life, and so Lord, do the work. Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, to not restrict the work that you're doing. To see the the pain even in growth is a good thing. The the discipline is a good thing. Because we become more like you, Jesus day with ever-increasing glory. Be glorified, Jesus. Be glorified. Be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to join us with wor- in worship. to encourage you as you go here today remember your value remember your purpose God's called you and